Well, hey, uh, this morning um, we are, like I said, going to continue um, to just go through the Gospel of Luke. And uh, so in this series, we call it the life of the party. And so just a little recap of where we've been. We've seen Jesus be a friend of sinners. Um, and so that was about four weeks ago, I guess, when uh, Marty came and uh, preached that message, uh, which was super encouraging. And then after that, we saw Jesus is the bridegroom of the wedding. Um, and so we saw that, and our college pastor, Stephen, gave that message. And then last week, I preached on God is the God of rest. Um, and in each of these things, uh, as Zach has been on sabbatical, so if you don't know, Zach is our lead pastor. He's actually finishing up his sabbatical this week. Um, so he should be back with us soon, but we're really trying to just pick people who are practitioners within our church uh, that are living this out. And so this week, um, we're coming to a, t- a part of the text where Jesus is inviting in, uh, he's inviting in disciples to be with him and really be on adventure with, with him. And so we're doing something a little bit different. So um, we had Heather Mercer, who uh, is a part of our church, she's been a part of this church for a couple years, she's been connected to the Antioch uh, extended church family for a while, but she actually couldn't be with us here live, but we did get a chance to interview her um, this week to, hey, we, we really feel like this is something that's going to bless our church. We want to learn from you. And so um, what we're going to do is something we've never done before. We've never had a, a, a video interview, uh, so this is the first go. And so we're going to, hey, it's going to, let's do it. So I love that. We are going to do it because that's what we have planned. But um, I love the enthusiasm about what we're about to do. So we're going to read this passage, and, um, and then we're going to hear from Heather. And I think there's at least one thing. I think the thing I just want to put before you guys is, is just asking God, what's one thing you want me to take away from what she has to share? Because she's going to share a lot of her story. So I know that um, there's going to be a lot of gold to take away this morning. But if you turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 12, it'll also be on the screen um, for you guys. I'm just going to go ahead and read Luke 6, 12 through 19. This is our passage for today. In these days, he, Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from the twelve, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their disease. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. So two things just want to point out before we jump into uh, what Heather has to share. One is just that first portion of Jesus calling his disciples to him. He's calling him to relationship to him. He's also calling them into an adventure. I mean, you look at the characteristics of each of these people. Some of them had titles at the end of their name. Uh, Judas was the one I would not want the title of, became a traitor. But, you know, there's, there's different windows. And these people had lives. They had careers. They had businesses. And here's G- Jesus is calling them in to his adventure. 
Um, and so that's one thing that we see from this text and that God's actually doing the same thing to us today. He's calling us into a relationship with him and calling into that adventure. And then the second thing is to see what happens next is that as they go with Jesus, Jesus is, is healing and he's changing people's hearts and lives. And that's also something that Jesus is offering for us today. It's not, hey, I'm going to be a disciple and I'm going to go do all this cool stuff. It's that I get to walk with him and watch God do it through me and with community. And I get to see him get the glory from that. Does that make sense? So from this, from this interview, we just wanted to kind of highlight that as a theme and just said, Heather, why don't you just share about that? So without further ado, here's the interview with Heather Mercer. I always thought it'd be great to do um, like a missionary reality TV show. Like yes. what, what, you know, what being a missionary is really like and turn it into reality TV. It would actually be really good. Well, Heather, thank you for taking some time to be with us today. We thought it'd be uh, in step with the theme of going on an adventure to Chick-fil-A. Since you couldn't be here with us on Sunday, we wanted to be somewhere where no one else could be on Sunday either, which is Chick-fil-A. Um, so we wanted to start out just by getting to know you. Uh, where were you born? I was born in... Makati Medical Center in Manila, the capital of the Philippines. Wow. So That's until I was 18, I had uh, dual citizenship. Superhero power, which one would you have if you could have one? One, okay. So I would want the superpower of being able to heal people 100% of the time. Wow. Like any time that somebody's sick, that they would be made well. That is a really good answer. I feel bad for mine. Um, <laughs> I would just want to fly around. So that's that would, really that great. Would be good too. How many bones have you broken? I have only broken one bone, thankfully. Wow. In the third grade when I jumped off the jungle gym when the teacher blew the whistle. But I got a uh, ice cream sundae out of it okay. and uh, you know some popularity the next day at school. Okay. <laughs> Next question, how many months have you been imprisoned? Um, here in the, the U.S.? <laughs> which country? Only outside of the U.S. for okay. a total of three and a half months, but we might have to save that story okay. for a little bit okay. later. Okay, we'll probably hear more about that. <laughs> We're going to do a word association. Basketball. Uh, foul shot. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Zach Daniel. Authentic. Mm, very true. Adventure. My passion. Ooh. Jesus. Life. Pineapple. Um, Mexico. <laughs> I should have ended with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Uh, way to go. Good job. Good job. Uh, that was, was pretty adventurous. This Sunday, we're, we're coming to the close of our Life of the Party series. And this passage, we see that Jesus is uh, spending all night praying, and then he's calling his disciples to himself, and he's calling specifically his apostles, and, and, and just this invitation to follow him, this invitation into this like big 
adventure. And we're just really thankful to get to hear from you because of what God's done in your story and in just who you are. But then also we just, there's a lot that you have to offer that we want to glean from um, in the area of, of following Jesus and it being about his story and his adventure. Uh, even you not being able to be here with us in person because you're on your adventure. So just to kind of get us started, mm -hmm. what was that first invitation like for you to follow Jesus? Kind of those beginning beginning moments, beginning days for you. Yeah, for sure. I think for me the, the journey started, um, I mean I can look back and recognize God's pursuit of me from the youngest age, but I didn't grow up in a in a Christian home per se. It was really a culturally Christian home, you know, Christmas, Easter kind of thing. And um, I actually didn't know who Jesus was or why it why it mattered. And when I hit my um, teenage years, our family went through a lot of uh, hardship, a lot of brokenness, and I found myself just on this quest to find out what's the point of life? Because if right. this is what life is all about, then I don't know that I'm interested, you know? And I, I started seeking out who is God in lots of different places, lots of different world religions. And, mm -hmm. and I remember um, I met my first Christian friend in high school, and she had been praying for me for years mm -hmm. um, to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And she would invite me to go to church, and I would when I didn't have anything else to do. And I went one night, it was November 13th of 1992, and a man preached the gospel, very plain and simple. And I just remember listening to him and thinking, if what he says is true, then Jesus is the answer to all of my unanswerable questions. Wow. And, and so that was really where it's, the journey started in the early days. I decided I was gonna follow him and I didn't know anything. I mean, I didn't know that Jesus was coming back. I didn't know that there was an Old Testament, a New Testament. I mean, I, I had pretty much zero foundation. And I just was hungry to know who he was. I went and bought my first Bible at a bookstore. Mm -hmm. And I would sit up all night sometimes and just read the Bible. And I was amazed at how much life and hope I found in what I read. And I was like, why, why didn't I hear about this before? Mm -hmm. And um, so that's, that was really where it started. And I remembered what it was like to be without Christ yeah. and then to have been found by him and be with him. And so I just wanted to tell everybody that would stop long enough to listen, yeah. you know, who he was and what he'd done in my life. And so... So you're experiencing a lot of this life that you're experiencing, mm -hmm. like you're talking about your digging into the word and, and talking to anyone who listen about right. about them. So it's maybe those next those next few steps, like what was that like for you? Yeah, so when I came time to go to school, I wanted to go to a Christian university. And so that's how I ended up in Waco and Baylor. Okay. And I'll never forget, this was like the, before Antioch as a movement actually officially started. This is when we were, you know, a college a college group that was meeting in another church and all the people that I met from this college group were just like lit up for Jesus. And that was really where I started to get a larger global vision. But I can look back and you know God's all always weaving and writing 
this tapestry in our lives. And I'd grown up overseas. I'd lived most of my life overseas. I'd, you know, most of my friends were from different countries around the world. So when I started hearing how God was working in countries around the world, it sort of took these, this upbringing that I had and this new faith that I had found and sort of brought them together. Yeah. And, um, you know, I started to hear stories about how what I read in the Bible was actually happening in the corners of the, the earth. And I thought, oh my gosh, if I can like live the pages of this book, you know, that's, that's, that's my best life. And um, so I started to pray and say, God, you know, what can you do with my life? Is there, you know, here I am, pretty much send me. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, kind of middle of college that I learned there was only one Christian worker serving among every one million Muslims wow. around the world. And, and the Lord, you know, basically just spoke to my heart one day and he said, Heather, how about a million Muslims? And I thought, all right, you know, if that can be the leverage point on my life, if I can spend my life to bring a million Muslims to Jesus, then, then I want to sign up for that. Mm. And so that's where it started. Wow. What would, tell me about kind of that transition. Was that kind of like, well, next step, Afghanistan, or was it... You know, what, what happened there? Yeah, no, I mean, I think for any of us, right, there's an, there's an evolution and there's a process. Yeah. Yeah. And when I knew that that's what God had called me to, um, I mean, I wanted to get on a plane and go the next day, mm. really. And that was probably one of the early tensions was letting God do what he needed to do in me so that I could be ready to go do what he called me to do. Mm -hmm. And so it was really a four-year process from the time I knew God had made the Muslim world kind of that field that he had for me to, to move into till actually getting on the threshold of Afghanistan. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, there were a lot of ups and downs in between. You know, I went through yeah. the uh, church plant training school, which mm -hmm. back then was called ATS. And uh, um, it was actually the year the Antioch movement formally started back in 1999 when we were meeting on the parking lot in the front of the old grocery store. And, um, you know, and that, there were things that would come up along the way that were sort of testing the calling and, and testing me. Um, and, you know, at every turn, the Lord just kept saying, no, this is... This is what I have for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm blonde hair, blue eyed, uh, you know, American woman. At the time I was in my early 20s. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seemed like the last pick, you know, for Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. But the Lord reminded me that he delights to use the foolish things of the world mm -hmm. and the weak things of the world and the, mm -hmm. the things that aren't to nullify the things that are. And so... Um, you know, a lot of people questioned um, what I felt like God had called me to do. Mm. My family, um, well-meaning Christians, um, uh, friends, and so there was a lot of just returning to those stakes in the ground of, of that season of my life to keep saying, okay, God, this is, this is what you've said, so I'm moving ahead. Wow. Wow. And so then 
kind of discerning and I'm sure that there were other people involved in kind of just confirming right. the, you know, you know, hey, I'm not crazy. You know, I'm going to ATS school, so there's a process of like, mm-hmm. kind of submitting to to leadership, got a leadership in that way. So that, so then once that, yeah, this is not going away. This is like, right. um, tell us a little bit just about your journey there, kind of leading up to, um, I guess, leading up to the time where you were uh, imprisoned and captivity. Just like, what were you doing? You know, life was was pretty simple. Okay. And and I think that's one of the things that I've, I've learned along the way. It's that it's the simple things that often end up being the most powerful hmm. um, in the calling that God gives us. I mean, we were, hmm. we were there learning language, living with team and in community, mm-hmm. and um, serving the poor praying for the sick, and, and just doing the simple things of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh, every day we would have you know, dozens of women and children that would come to our door begging for food, looking for work, money, medicine. And it was really just you know, trying to, to love and care for the person that was right in front of us in Jesus' name. Um, but I think it was actually, you know, really profound Mm -hmm. and um and that was what was changing lives Mm -hmm. was just engaging that person that god would bring our our way that day Mm -hmm. and trying to find practical ways to minister the love of jesus and then to share with them as we were able to do so Mm -hmm. you know in that sort of hostile environment and um when i left for afghanistan i had you know, bought a one-way ticket. I'd planned yeah. to be there for the rest of my life. I told my parents, if I don't come home, bury me in Afghanistan. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, I'd sort of signed, signed the deal on that. And then, you know, four months later, after I've moved there, you know, end up in a Taliban prison. And, mm-hmm. and it was sort of like everything that I'd, um, you know, painted the scenarios for and done the role playing and the training school for, all of a sudden it was real life. Yeah. And I was confronted with, do you really believe what you said you believed before you got on the plane? Mm. And, you know, I was barely 24 years old and, um, and found out that there were a few cracks in, in my foundation in terms of, you know, what I really believed about who God is and was. and. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was a struggle. There were, there were a lot of days where, um, you know, I thought I had been willing to die for the gospel and then looking at the re- probability of having to die for the gospel um, really brought me to my knees. And, um, and I think the biggest question that I wrestled with was, God, I know you can get us out, but will you? Mm-hmm. And I think all of us can relate sometimes in yeah. life. Maybe we have a child who's sick or we have a financial crisis or our marriage is struggling and we, we think, well, God, we know you can, but will you? And really the core question is, God, are you good? Mm-hmm. No matter what my circumstances yeah. tell me. Yeah. And that was, that was the fight I had to fight, was to get to that place where I said, God, you are good. And it's not a question of whether we live or die. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, and I've maybe told this story before, but I was, we had our Bibles, and um, 
all my prayers just felt like they were hitting a glass ceiling and you know I just felt like my ears were deaf and I just couldn't hear God and he felt like he was a million miles away and and I just opened my Bible because I didn't know what else to do and it fell open to the passage uh, Matthew 16 where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says if you save your life you'll lose it but if you lose your life for my sake and my kingdom you'll find it and what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And I knew the Lord was saying, Heather, you are trying to save your life. And he was like, are you willing to lose your life? And it wasn't about like physically necessarily losing my life, but Heather, will you give up your will, your will to survive, your will to you know, have the outcome you want in this situation and trust me mm -hmm. and know that I'm good um, because that's who I am. And, mm -hmm. and that was really, you know, the turning point for me where it, it broke open the prison of fear that I was in. You know, I wasn't so concerned anymore about what the outcome was, but just that I could hang on to the hem of God's garment long enough to see it out the other side, whatever that looked like. You're here today, so like, yeah. spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. But, um, oh, yeah, what, 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 was, what, what was it like? How, how, did, um, how did all that happen? You kind of coming out and just God providing in that way. And yeah, could you tell us a little bit about that part? Yeah, so, um, I mean, the, the short version is it's, it was the stuff that movies are made of. I mean, it was, and action movie in every sense of the word. I mean, we were there 105 days. We were interrogated for three weeks um, by, you know, 10 to 12 Taliban at a time for 10 to 15 hours a day, put on trial before the Afghan Supreme Court, and we were being charged with a capital crime. Um, and then 9-11 happens, and of course that changed the world and it radically changed our situation because we went basically from being religious prisoners to prisoners of war mm -hmm. and and so we basically became bargaining chips for the Taliban in this um, you know war on terror mm -hmm. with the US and coalition and so you know, as political and global events started to shift, we were just kind of swirling in, in that world of chaos. And, but it's also, I think, what activated the U.S. government and the U.S. military to come up with a plan um, to rescue us. And, uh, you know, after 105 days, um, the Afghan Northern Alliance, who were the army opposing the Taliban, mm invaded Kabul with the support of U.S. coalition mm -hmm. and uh, right before they arrived the Taliban had taken us out uh, of the city as hostages, piled us into the back of a pickup truck and we drove through the Tora Bora mountains of Afghanistan in the middle of the night with all the fleeing Taliban and mm. um, ended up uh, several places along the way but ultimately in, a, in another village on the way to Kandahar. And it was our understanding we were being taken to Osama bin Laden. Um, but when we were on the way, um, we were put into a, a prison in this village. The US attacked 
Taliban strongholds in that city, and the Taliban fled. Well, we didn't know what was happening. We just saw the Taliban running away. We could see the bombs falling outside our window. Our building was shaking. We could see the gunfight in the street. And we were just all on our faces, just saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Like, fancy praying just goes out the, <laughs> out the window. <laughs> and we were just crying out, like, God, do something. Mm -hmm. And um, the city quieted down. And about 30 minutes later, we heard a group of men come and try to break down the prison door below mm -hmm. us on the first floor. And it just, we could hear mass mayhem, people screaming, running. Um, and we started hearing them run up to the room that we were basically hiding out in. Mm -hmm. And we all thought, or I thought, this was it. Like the Taliban are mm. mad, they're coming back. And we're, this is, this, is this is it, I've got 30 seconds. And I remember praying, like, Jesus, if this is it, help us to die honoring you. And I, I literally thought I was about to see a gun in my face. And right then, this Afghan Rambo-looking man comes running in, and he's, you know, got ammunition roped around his neck and an AK-47 and a rocket launcher and hand grenades and 12-year-old little boys who were child soldiers running in off the street. And he... this man starts yelling, you're free, you're free, the Taliban have left and you're free. And we literally just start running away from the prison. And um, many things transpired, but ultimately we ended up um, in the hands of local Red Cross. And one of our former Taliban captors who had turned himself over to the U.S. government um, came back in as a double agent tracked us to this city and brought us a satellite phone. And we used that satellite phone to call um, the, the U.S. government that was waiting in Pakistan. And they sent in three Chinook helicopters and 16 special ops soldiers, and they rescued us in the middle of the night from a field. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Crazy. It was crazy. I mean, that is like straight out of the New Testament, Book of Acts, like a little bit more firepower, but you know, <laughs> that's, uh, that is wild. And so you thought like this could be it. And then instead you're liberated. Yes. You're free. That's right. Wow. I mean, this is like a huge victory for what, I mean, America is still grieving. Right. And then, and people have been praying like, non-stop, um, not only in Waco, but like all over the world right. for y'all. Yeah, and I think that was, you know, we would get reports from our parents sporadically, mm -hmm. and they would say, you know, the world is praying for you, and the world's praying for Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. I remember we did have one satellite phone call about halfway through our captivity, and one of our German colleagues, her mother said, Germany has not prayed for anything like this since World War II. And it was like we all had this sense that like we're in the middle of history being made for the kingdom in a nation that has so desperately needed a move of God. And when we showed up in Afghanistan, you know, in the late 90s, uh, early 2000, 
there was the largest known gathering of Christians in all of Afghanistan was eight people in a country of 26 million. And following the prayer movement that was really ushered in for that nation through that window of time, there are now tens of thousands of, of believers. And so I think coming back, Dana Curry, my colleague and I, we both thought like, you know, this story was so much bigger than the eight of us who happened to be sitting in a prison cell. I mean, um, it, it was a story of millions of people and God moving millions of people ultimately to change the history of a nation so that his kingdom could come because he'd heard for decades the cries of the Afghan people. It was just God. Yeah. Wow. So what has been, what does adventure look like with Jesus since then? Because this is obviously this amazing, like, story of what God did on a global scale. But, you know, I think for some it might be like, okay, that, that was it, you know, like that. Um, but what does it look like for you since then? Yeah. I just following Jesus and being on adventure with him. Right. Yeah, I think early on just deciding and, and recognizing like God didn't save us from that so we could come home and time out. Mm. You know, God saved us from that because there was more work to be done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, coming out, I said to myself, well, I, I still want a million Muslims. And, you know, so you got to go back. And, um, and, you know, I think of a scripture that says the giftings of, and callings of God are irrevocable in Romans. And life circumstance or events don't change the call of God, you know. I mean, its, it's shape and its form may look different in different seasons, but the assignment in, in my case was still to share the gospel among Muslims. And so Afghanistan was no longer at that time an, an option. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started looking at, you know, what, what was the next best thing, and the war had started in Iraq. Um, and so I decided to hop over there and check it out. And I, I've said um, to different people, I've said, you know, Afghanistan was like my first love. Mm. It was an obsession. It was a compulsion. Like, I knew I had to go. Iraq was more of an acquired love. I just volunteered. You know, there was a need, there was an opportunity, and so I'm still doing the same thing today in Iraq that we were doing in Afghanistan, mm -hmm. you know, two decades ago, mm -hmm. trying to love people, meet the practical need, and share the hope of Jesus in the midst of, of that need. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there are some days that feel very mundane, but then there are a lot of days where it's like, you know, again, living the pages of scripture yeah. and getting to see what we read actually coming coming to life. Yeah. What we've just heard is so rich in a culture where I think comfort and uh, security uh, and a fear of the unknown right. are just kind of like in the kingdom of the cult. You know what I mean? Right. It's just kind of pervasive and and yet Jesus is calling us to, to him and to trust him. Um, I'd just love to hear if you have any kind of encouragement in that area. So I've been thinking a lot about lately the, 
the truth that to whom much has been given, much is required. And I mean, we've been given so much. Being born as Americans and all the resources that that brings. I mean, we are born into freedom. We don't know anything else. We were born into like a, 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 a cultural freedom. And then as believers, we're born into a new spiritual freedom. And that wasn't just so we could sit at home and enjoy it. Mm. It's God has given us the privilege of being American in this country with these freedoms to have had the opportunity to know Christ, to be found by him so that we can go give it away. You know, my Muslim friend, they were born there. They were born a Muslim. They didn't they, they haven't been given the same opportunity. They didn't choose that. Mm -hmm. They should have that same opportunity that, that I was given. Mm -hmm. And so that is a, something that compels me uh, every day. And I think for all of us to step back and recognize, like, even on the worst day, mm -hmm. even when we're struggling in our own need and lack and want, we still have so much more. Mm -hmm than the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing. And I guess the last thing I would say is that, you know, whatever the calling and destiny that God has on someone's life, there are no substitutes for you. Mm. You know, if you don't step up into that calling and destiny that God has for you, there's nobody else. There's just you that God has given that to. And so, um, so go for it. And, and I, I love that the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples is, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Mm -hmm. And as we go, that's all we need to know.